folks, here's jumping Jeff Farmer. Well, he did it. Pinned me right there in the middle of the ring. There's always a lesson to be learned every time you step in the ring. And Motley Cruz, you taught me one very good lesson. You took me out of my game plan. I couldn't wrestle my kind of match. Believe me, I learned and I learned well. It don't take me long. Next time I get you in the ring, you're mine. New tactics, new game plan. You're mine. Ba-da-da-da. Welcome to Fourth Times the Charm where niches need. I'm your producer, Ben, alongside your director, Matt. Ah! And accompanying us is our head of catering, the Shea Butter himself. It's Mr. Monty. What's going on? What's up, Monty? Tell us. How you doing? I'm recovering from a <laughs> hot pot dinner, which was nice. Dinner was nice, um, but it's it got just, hot potted. It got hot. Yeah, very spicy. Well, so, you know what? We yeah. love our hot potties here in Fourth Times the Charm. <laughs> but maybe no one more than our director, Matt. Matt, <laughs> what's what's new in the trades? <laughs> in the trades? Uh, well, you know, I did not have hot pot. Um, but I did have some great food. I, 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 I speed cooked when I got home tonight. And let me tell you, there's something about making duck breast in like under 10 minutes that makes it so much better mm. than anything else. I didn't, I like, I sous vide four frozen duck breasts at like five o'clock and left them in there for about two and a half hours. Didn't season them cause I didn't have time. And then just took them out, quickly seasoned them, and then cooked them straight on a cat on the cast iron, and it was fucking incredible. So I'm riding a culinary high. Um, I'm also coming off of uh, recently diving back into the Assassin's Creed franchise. Which going, one? I went back to Unity. Oh, oh, oh wow. Yeah, okay. right. Okay, because okay. So let me let me get into this real quick, because like I feel like I'm going to justify myself for having for playing Unity. I I loved the original Assassin's Creed games. Um, three got a little boring. Black Flag was great, and then I didn't play any of the other ones because I didn't have an Xbox One when Unity came out, um, and I had no interest in Origins at the time or in um, Syndicate or the mobile ones. And there's one more I'm forgetting. Uh, but I got Valhalla when it came out because I love English history, I love Vikings, and I love Assassin's Creed. And despite the kind of decisiveness, uh, not, uh, indecisiveness of the Assassin's Creed community toward that game, I loved it. I thought it was super fucking cool. But uh, I, after that, I was like, I oh, cool, I'm done. And then I saw a YouTube video and I went down a rabbit hole and I started watching this guy's tier list breaking down all the assassin's creed games in like his order of favorites and he put he he put uh valhalla at the bottom of his list though he did he disliked all the things about it i didn't like his only issue is he didn't connect with the main character which i understood so i i didn't discount him right away and then his number two pick was uh unity and i was so flabbergasted because of the shitstorm that game produced um, for those who don't or who weren't uh, huge fans of Assassin's Creed or video games at the time, the game almost destroyed the franchise because it released as unfinished, if not more so, than um, Cyberpunk did. Uh, it was it was a classic Ubisoft uh, like Bethes- it was like a Bethesda release. Um, oh man, it was That's that bad, bad. Uh, and and people didn't understand it because they changed the parkour system and like all this stuff happened and, and the game 
was lambasted. It caused it caused Ubisoft to turn Assassin's Creed into the RPG style open world games they are now from the traditional roguelikes they were before. But the in the in the course of this tier list I was watching, this gentleman said Assassin's Creed Unity was the last game you truly got to be an assassin. And I've been wanting to play another like roguelike single player game since I have uh, a couple like a week off of work coming up. And I was like, well, what better than an Assassin's Creed game? And I was stuck between Origins and Unity. Um, and Unity was a half the price. Um, also, it, all of the, a lot of the bugs and everything have been patched out of it. And the game now actually fully runs on PC super well. And I decided to give it a chance because he the, the chance to experience the final iteration of the original Assassin's Creed world, even, even though I'd played all of them up to that point, Seemed like it was an opportunity not to miss, especially since I, I'm one of the types of people who did like the direction that Assassin's Creed's going with now. And they're saying the most, uh, the next coming Assassin's Creed game is going to go back to old school Assassin style play. So I wanted to play Origins because I haven't played it and it's apparently very good, but I also really wanted to go back. So I decided I'm going to play Unity, then Origin. I never so, really got the, into the Assassin's Creed, but the one I'm, I played still, was um, Odyssey. That's the Roman oh, Empire that, one, right? Yeah, I hated yeah. that game. Yeah, it was all right <laughs> for a first first timer. So this is actually weird, man. We're we're having slightly converging stories here. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so you know, the new God of War is coming out. Yeah, and mm. I was like, well, I've never actually played through a God of War. Oh what? Oh my gosh. Yeah. None really? of them? Not even the original one? No, I uh it, it just I've like tried them but I never like really Oh really, bro, like, you're missing out. It. It's really really good, man. And so I was <laughs> looking for a game to play while traveling and you know, I have my huge back catalog of game systems and so mm -hmm. I'm like, "Well, let's find something for the PSP Go." Oh God! Uh, one of the most underrated gaming <laughs> handhelds, uh, mm. genuinely ahead of its time. Matt, have you ever even held a PSP Go in your hands? No, but I did have a PSP, and it got stolen at the Miami airport. Well, maybe you should have liked that one as I much have, as you dislike I, I, the PSP Go. I, I still have it. my Game Gear. Does that count? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that does. That does. Um, but anyway, so. I was like, well, is there a God of War game on here? Sure enough, there is. God of War Chains of Olympus. Played okay. through it, had a great time, thought it was a really good game, didn't overstay its welcome. Sure. And I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe I'll play some more in the franchise. Like, how is this one received? Apparently, Chains of Olympus is universally considered one of the two worst games in the franchise. I've never and, even heard of it. I've like, and it's I heard also of Chains like, of Olympus, but I heard I thought that was like a kind of a, a, a spin-off of the original series, but uh, I never got into it though. Yeah, but it's so it's like an origin story. It's like the mm. second it's like number two in the timeline. Oh, okay. And okay. and apparently the issue a lot of people have with the game, once again, Matt, you're like, oh, they're all buggy and broken, which they've since fixed. This one, the issue is that it's like the fifth game in the franchise and it's like an origin point of the game. So like nothing new happens, you uh -huh. know, everything. Mm -hmm. But 
if it's the first game in the series you've played, oh, sure. this yeah. is like a perfectly adequate entry point. So now I'm trying to piece together playing through the other God of War games, but it's it's shockingly difficult actually to get the old ones unless you have them on a classic system. I probably or have you got an emulator. For they're it. they're a PlayStation yeah. exclusive, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> then I probably no, I probably have all the PlayStation PlayStation was except for the ones that were on PS3. Mm. So I probably have God of War one and two. I think. Yeah. It, so they released God of War one and two, then Chains of Olympus. Okay. Three, Ghost of Sparta, which is the other PSP one. Never played that. Then. God of War 3, I think, is the only one for PS3. Yeah. But then for PS4, there's God of War Ascension. And a lot of people hate God of War Ascension. I've never even heard of it. Ascension was, yeah, the second one that came out on PS3. And it was more of like a multiplayer thing. It was was supposed to be like the actual first point origin story of Kratos. And apparently it was suffering once again from... Oh my god, we've fucking done this before. Like, why? Are, uh, so I'm trying oh, to play so that one that's, next. That's kind of interesting because one of the biggest criticisms of AC Unity and and Assassin's Creed that it's in right now is all they can, all they know how to do is origin stories. <laughs> and and a lot yeah, of people were went bored by that. Unity because it was another origin story after we everyone just got off of Assassin's Creed three and four, which were also origin stories, and Assassin's Creed have yet to make a sequel with any of their characters since the Ezio uh, trilogy. I think, yeah, it's because they couldn't figure out which path they want to go. Cause after, if you play through, uh, and this is a spoiler, it's like, if you play through three, um, yeah, they, play, he pretty much Assassin's killed Creed everyone. Two. It's like there's no, nothing else to really I, go on in terms there of Greek is, mythology. Because they activate a giant laser around the planet to delay it. And then Loki reawakes from the dead and is going <laughs> to revive Juno. But then they revive Juno. Then they just kill her. I, I deep dove into the entire narrative. Okay. Really? okay so Yeah, yeah so, no, it, it goes places. Spoiler so we for the should, Assassin's we should, Creed War. We should move on. <laughs> Because uh, this is a topic for another day. My only question, Matt, yeah, is by this point in the Assassin's Creed franchise, has there right. been any payoff for the like modern day? Oh yeah, no, that's what I was talking about with Monty. So oh, that's what, so what happens? That's that. What happens okay. in, in get, Ben? Give me only thirty seconds here. All right, okay, count, you count got me it. Down. Uh, three, two, one, go. Okay, so the aliens were real, the aliens were gods, and then they all the aliens died. But then they try to set up a world where Desmond, the main guy, can either save the world or basically become Jesus and let it get destroyed. And he decided to let save the world momentarily and not be, become Jesus. And now the aliens are starting to figure out how to save the earth from the giant solar flares that are going to destroy it, which the Isu were trying to protect the world from because for some fucking reason they couldn't stop giant solar flares. And now at Time. this point in the story Oh, so close. They activated <laughs> giant lasers. Yeah, it's like you're not going to get through that in 30 seconds. I was close. I was close. All I had was activate giant lasers, revive Loki. That's all that's happened so far. Yeah. Oh, well, actually, so th- Loki, like, who's in the body of Basim, who's one of the original assassins in AC Valhalla. 
like I, I'm still trying. I want to pick up the, the <laughs> new trilogy that they're starting with the yeah with Bossom. Yeah, so I want to. I'm just waiting for it to go on sale. On, My cat hates this. My cat hates this story. <laughs> well, you know what your cat might like, Ben. Your cat might like more experimental metal and 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 intense music. I think Be- she certainly would. Tell me all about it, pal. I got you an attend event called Peace Simulation. Uh, apparently, Peace Simulation does like pop-up shows every now and then. And this year, they did one at Reggie's. It was part of a two-day mini festival. I unfortunately did not go to get to go to day two, but I did go to day one because day one had some fucking awesome bands that are very harsh, very intense. Some of these bands, I think Ben would be a hundred percent up your alley. One of them, I know you already like, but I had to miss. Um, so let me run through who I saw and what I thought of the live bands. These bands aren't nearly as underground, so I'm not going to give them the same um, lavishing treatment I give some of the more underground music that we cover, but they are equally as incredible, and a lot of cool people were at the show. Uh, so the one band I missed that I really wanted to see is a band called Fantafaxith. I'm just assuming I'm saying that right um they're a really awesome like avant-garde black metal band that's like very harsh noise very very wall of noise like very overwhelming right up your alley you've enjoyed them before ben um and then i got there for a band that i didn't expect to see musically speaking um which was a band called greet death who were from flint michigan uh which i have a fun connection to uh but they were like how to put this in a way that sounds flattering because they were very good. Imagine like emo music mixed with sludge with a bit of doom and like the sword. Okay. It was just like, it was. So wait, wait, let me, let me try and like give a sound and tell me if this is like the right, right angle. So say that, say that one more time. Okay, emo, so emo sludge doom. doom which is also a subject uh, which is a greater genre of sludge but whatever yeah like so like emo sludge doom heavy metal like meets the sword so i'm guessing it'd be like a <laughs> <laughs> no it was more of like a <laughs> Well, that seems that seems more straight doomy to me than doom emo. You know, it 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 kind of was, but then it would like fluctuate. It was like really like I thought they were just like a rock and roll band at first. That's what Google said when I quickly googled them before their set started. Um, but in reality, they were an incredibly engaging, fun, heavy metal, just kind of straightforward, doomy, sludgy act. Uh, that had some like great riffs and good times. Um, I really recommend anyone who likes, who doesn't like the nearly as extreme stuff as you usually cover, go and check these guys out because their live performance was excellent. They were really genuine people, but also the music was fantastic. Um, uh, coming I, up next, I, you were posting photos of it. Yeah, photos and, and it videos. Looked, yeah, yeah, and videos, and they look fucking wild. Yeah, like, you, I would love to go to something like that. You would have adored this show, and especially with the next band, which I think both of you would have really loved. I think anyone who enjoys live music would have loved this act, which is Elizabeth Colorwheel. Um, I believe this is traditionally a one-woman project, but I'm, I could be wrong on that because there was a band playing live. But this was like a truly 
I, I I'm sure I'm sure they have like a formal definition of what genre of music they play. Uh, but I didn't look that up. They were like an experimental avant-garde metal, uh, black metal performance. It was truly strange and intense. It was a very visceral and emotional performance. Um, I'm going to assume the lead singer in the band who's the uh, woman is named Elizabeth. I don't know if that's true, but I'm going to call her Elizabeth for the rest of this review. <laughs> um, Elizabeth, um, or the, the sorry lead... unnamed woman. Yeah, like, should... I don't want to. I don't want to find any info on that lady. Or... I can, but Ben doesn't like it when I type on air. Well, fine, just just go look for it right yeah, now. Yeah, I think we should get the name right at least. Gotta get... Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I don't fucking know. Oh. I'm not gonna fuck. I, uh, Monty. Okay. Um, this, you're gonna have to pronounce this one for me. All right. I could. I think I could pronounce it, but I'm pretty sure I'd say it incorrectly. I don't want to do that. What's her name? In, that. Oteoni. Yeah. Let's go with that. All right. Would it be appropriate to shorten that to Ote? Ote. Yeah. All, All right. Let's go with it. All right. So, yes. Okay. Elizabeth Color Wheel, uh, who is fronted by Ote, according to Google, their only member, um, is an incredibly chaotic, avant-garde, experimental, like uh, lens-pushing type of music that is really, really beautiful. Uh, They're touring with Liturgy, who we'll talk about soon, who has much more acclaim than, uh, in my mind, any of these other bands and but uh, throughout their performance um ote laid down on the stage and was like screaming while laying on the on the stage she went out into the crowd and gave these like these visceral deep shrieking screaming vocals that are so full of like genuine emotion and the performance she put onto the stage she was like not necessarily dancing but like truly just like vibing out to the noise and the music there was moments of the of the live performance that were like pure harsh noise moments that felt like almost pure black metal it was constantly being inundated with like outstanding musicianship uh incredibly well orchestrated sound and elizabeth's just guttural intense screams and occasional clean vocals um i don't i don't know if they hold up on album uh, but if if you don't, if you know they're coming to your town soon and you have a chance to see Elizabeth Color Wheel live, do yourself the favor. You don't need to look up shit. Just go to that show, get to the front of the venue, and be completely in awe. I, uh, I'm like taking a sample of them. Like I, I looked them up on Google and listening mm-hmm. to like samples of their YouTube music. And Matt, I yeah. gotta say, I love this shit. This is yeah, it's awesome. very good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's outstanding. Um, so next up, we have two bands that were back to back that both fit into a niche of music I like to call music Matt loves live but will not listen to <laughs> when he's at home. Um, I was I was listening to an album today because I'm trying to get caught up for the end, end of year, year r- review. And man, this one band, I was like, I'm sure this would be great in person. But like, who who was it? it was uh let me look it up here it might be in the genre these guys play <laughs> which would make Pro- this even probably was it was like super hard uh i uh autonoesis oh autonisa yeah autonisa 
Oh yeah. no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It wasn't them. That band's it was, awesome. Uh, uh, yeah, they're good. It wasn't them. It was Abbey Zoo and Coreltzak. They they have a uh, they have like a collab album. Oh, that was Forest the split. Corpses and yeah, Cedars. that's that's Winter from um, last week's show. Uh, one of the one of the people who played uh, synth on that show and played and did vocals at the other basement show I went to, and they uh, where Vannon played. Yeah, and I was like, I bet this is probably great to listen to live. Yeah. On the album, I like I something is lost. I'm like, I don't know what's lost, but something's been lost here. There's like an appreciation for disgustingness. Um, <laughs> I like that on album. I'm gonna throw that there. I like that. It was great. It was one of my favorite splits this year. Um, but actually these next two bands did not contain the genre of that kind of very raw black metal. These are both grindy, slammy, brutal death metal bands. Um, the first one being, um, miasmatic necrosis, uh, <laughs> who played in almost pitch black name. with the fog machine turned up to full and the, and the only colored lights on were dark, dark red lights. Nice. Um, I took almost no photos of their set because you could barely see the guy on stage, but it was just a bunch of Jack dudes playing really fast, grindy death metal. It was pretty cool. I would never listen to it on album, but it was really cool. And if you like death metal or like very, very fast, intense grind death, uh, highly recommend. Now the next band who also fits into the category of a band I would not really listen to on album too much, but was very excited to see them live because on album they're incredibly talented and they have the fun they have the fun combination of just being a drummer and of and a guitar player and the drummer does the vocals, uh, which is crazy because the drummer is one of the fastest, most unreally intense drummers you will ever see across death metal it is antichrist siege machine who yes have the best name on the entire uh bill and probably the best name of a band i've covered this year because antichrist siege machine is fucking awesome i highly recommend you go and check out the video up on the dr gore wizard archives um and some of the videos that i saved from the event on the instagram um this man can play his, I, I was taking video and you can barely see his hand moving because of how fast he's hitting the drum. It, it is some of the craziest shit you will ever hear. When I heard it on album, I was like, ah, it sounds like a drum machine. Um, no, this dude just fucking plays it while doing vocals. It's wild. Wow. Uh, I really recommend you go and look up. It was really good to see it live. Uh, it was very funny. Because there were some bros in the crowd who really wanted to get that pit spinning and no one gave a shit. <laughs> and there was like a guy who kept getting in the pit and like it formed like the space for it because the show wasn't that full. Uh, the space for the pit formed and then he was the only one there for like three songs. And he would just like occasionally run into the crowd and then flip everybody off and then just kind of stand there looking sad. Oh, so... Like- <laughs> So that it's it's actually interesting you mention that Matt. I went to see Book of Mormon. Oh shit! Um, yeah, at, I love that. At shit. the Hollywood Pantages, first time I saw it. Uh, it's great. I got to see it on Broadway. It's outstanding. It really is, Matt. Uh, you know the song uh, "Turn It Off." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, Turn it off. Uh, yeah. Like a light, like a light switch. 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 Okay. Post, click. It's a nifty little Mormon trick. It's like my anthem. Um, 
I, guys, I knew so, you were gay this whole time. Um, I, I was watching the show and I noticed that compared to a lot of other musicals I go to, and I've noticed mm-hmm. this in Los Angeles in general. How many musicals do you go to? Like one a year. Oh, that's pretty you, good. You need to share like, your musical attendance more. Yeah, I mean it's been a bit. It's I, I haven't well, got since COVID. Yeah, yeah. Well, no shit. But okay, I, okay I go back go, to it. I think I'm going back to see to Mean Girls in a few weeks. Oh, yeah. Only the good stuff. Hmm. So, um, but I I noticed that you know when they have songs where you're clearly meant to clap along or like yeah. anything, Anthem-y the crowd songs. the crowd is like engaged, but they don't participate. Well, yeah. at all and so but like i've been to musicals in other parts of the country and people do mm-hmm. so I, I i think it's a los angeles thing where like audiences are present but they do not want to participate in the show that might, i mean the few, little... the few concerts i've gone to in la were pretty participatory but i can see that there is something different about like the chicago or new york crowd yeah, I, I, I mean, when you get to small enough crowds, I think it. Oh sure. You know, it doesn't yeah, really matter. I mean, I saw like I saw like the House of Blues sold out in Los Angeles, and same with like a giant amphitheater, and and the crowds were decent, but not compared to Chicago. Yeah, yeah. It's just, just I, it just reminded me of that here anecdote. So I hear like Chicago is known for their their music scene and and their Damn musical right we scenes, are. right? So yeah, yeah, we have one of the most intense. A lot of like art artsy stuff. Like even like I hear from you, Matt. Like the 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 the, the movie festivals and stuff like that. Yeah, well, I I was awesome. so uh, a couple friends of ours. Shout out to Krista if you're listening. Um, we got to meet a couple of their friends and they were asking about like the culture of Chicago compared to like Los Angeles and New York. And this is going to be a biased uh, discussion that I'm sure other people have opinions on, but I don't give a fuck. Uh, my, my general distillation was that Chicago represented the best of both, the best of both of those cities, but without the um, specialization that those cities can bring. So I think we have like we have the be- we have one of the best music crowds in the city in the country. We have one of the best food scenes in the country. We have a really solid film scene um and we have a decent wrestling scene. Um and I think both I think LA can hit the movie thing better cuz it's fucking Los Angeles and wrestling. Um, I think the food in, in Los Angeles is much worse worse than Chicago. Um, I think New York has one of the most untouchable and versatile music scenes in the world, but I like the Chicago crowds more. Um, and we get all of the same movies they do, if not more, though we get less of the like prestigious festivals and we don't and we get all of the off Broadway plays, but they get them all first, so they're a little bit more hip. Um and I think Chicago just represents kind of the best of all of like the three like metropolises of the United States. I think Chicago is kind of the distillation of all three of them into kind of the best soup of awesome. Cause we get every, we get everything, but we don't necessarily get the same kind of specialization and the depth of specialization that you might get in Los Angeles or New York. Yeah. The uh, a, a fun fact, actually to go with your point, uh, when Disney planned something for mm-hmm. expansion, 
the market they like to test it in is Chicago because oh. it's sort of like middle America. You get a little bit of everyone. Well, yeah, yeah. Like the Midwestern accent is like newscaster standard because it's like just kind of the most distilled American accent. Yeah. Well, we had one last band left at our peace simulation and this was the, not necessarily performance of the night, but definitely the musical experience of the night. It was the legendary liturgy. Uh, liturgy is very well known in the metal scene as being at the height of like avant-garde and progressive metal. They're very extreme. Um, I guess some people consider them black metal. Um, after seeing them live, I wouldn't necessarily what genre to call them because they represented a large majority of different styles, but they did have an underpinning of black metal, but with an experimental nature on top of it that I felt was incredibly entertaining, which made me instantly think of you, Ben, uh, because of your oh, because of your enjoyment of the more avant-garde uh, black metal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, actually, I, I I take all that back. They describe themselves as transcendental black metal. Which, what a gr- what a great that's a new genre right there. Yeah, yeah, fucking perfect. Um, they are like in the according to them, they're in the process of transforming um, black metal, and they're starting to experiment with other genres, including like rock, rock and hip hop and electronic music. They're really pushing the boundaries of what liturgy's music is supposed to be, um, and what it's what it's gonna be. Um, the only consistent member throughout the entire band has been Hunter Hunt Hendricks. Um, and she gave, Ooh, one of the most incredibly engaging and captivating, uh, live performances. Like she used, she also like Ote, uh, was truly utterly captivated by the music. Um, yeah. And they just played an hour of fucking crushing metal. It was fantastic. It was heavy. It was fast. Uh, it was very technical, long, beautiful songs, great shrieking, intense vocals. Um, overall, just like a really incredible kind of like and, cherry and on top. How big was the crowd for this? Uh, you know, like I, I tried to count at one point. It, uh, at its peak, I would say there was about like 140 people there. That's pretty good. By the end of liturgy set, I would say there was maybe 100 to 70 people. How long was the show? The show went from 3.45 in the afternoon until 11.30 at night. Okay, well, that's pretty good. That's yeah, honestly, I mean, yeah. for, for an eight-hour show, yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, a work yeah. day. It was. It was great. I, I only worked half the day, which is my perfect version. Yeah, that sounds um, amazing. Because I got there at 7. Um, but, yeah, it was amazing. It was genuinely incredible. Uh, Shout-out to Reggie's. Shout-out to the guys uh, and individuals. I oh this ian i think is the guy they shouted out who set up and organized the peace simulation show i might have got your name wrong but shout out to you person whose name escapes me um but i highly recommend you check out all these bands especially liturgy elizabeth color wheel and greet death um i really thought uh antichrist siege machine was awesome live i don't know how much you'll get out of listening to them on album out there but give it a shot it's very fast. It's very slammy. It's very heavy. Um, and these are some fantastic, fantastic bands um, that really kind of represented a combination of progressiveness, improvisation, harshness, and intensity. And so we are going to be talking a lot more about music in the next few weeks. Start of the year. 
we have our big old bango with the uh, end of year roundup of 2022. We're going to have three experts and myself discussing the best albums of the year. Uh, and those lists are being finished up now. Matt, yeah. any, any early uh, any early surprises you're seeing on your list? Um, there's not as much metal as you'd expect. And, Interesting. And, and my album of the year is not black metal. Interesting. At least right now. Like, is I, it I, gold? I, no. Because um, I got to I, I owe you a re-listen for that one. It's not gold. I will <laughs> say that. But I, I will say my album of the year, and if you can go back and listen to our mid-year roundup, is one of the albums from that episode that I mentioned. And it is, it is an album that has stayed, that is, I've gone back to listen to the most. Um, it's the album that has brought me the most consistent, like, ah, I just want to listen to something. I throw this on. And the fact that the album came back to me and kept my interest and stayed with me in my mind really pushed it into that number one spot for me. But you'll have to tune in in the new year to find out which band that is. Yeah. I have, I have about, I have about, uh, God, how many hours? I have that whole playlist of yours I still got to go through, plus about an extra three hours of albums to catch up on. Oh, yeah. And that album's that, so, that, that list pops up well. Okay. But uh, right now I have 10 albums that are really, like, in circulation for my top five. And Ooh. I'm going to have to re-listen to all of them to see how they're going to shake out. Uh, I, it, is, I hope so. it is markedly different. Oh, uh, and and one of them in particular is a massive curveball that I think you would like. You might have listened to already, but we'll uh, see. But it's good stuff. Anyway, that's enough music for today. We're gonna talk about our other big old jam, which are movies. Uh, uh, I I had a really <laughs> I had a really great story about talking about early hardcore wrestling from 1950 and watching gorgeous George matches and seeing how they relate to modern wrestling. But I'm not going into that today, even though it's a very interesting subject. If you would like to be our biggest fan this week, please tell us (laughs) that you want to hear more about gorgeous George. I thought we wanted biggest pro wrestling. Um, and so on that note, we are now going to head into, what is this? Five stars over 50. <laughs> yeah, this is, no, no, this is, this is, this is hidden. This is uh hidden. This gems. is, we saw a movie we really liked. Yeah. This is like a, a lot of people talk. This about is it. a, this is a forgotten movie. This is a movie that has not been seen um, by, I think a large majority of people. I don't remember how many reviews it has on amazon let's check it's like three thousand or something that's very few in in the grand scheme of things uh yeah it it has three thousand it has three thousand reviews on um on amazon prime but it's still a movie worth your consumption your engagement um and this will supplement my lovecraftian desires until i get ben and monty to do the Stuart gordon episode they are promised me for eating taco bell for eating the legend of the chili cheese burrito. Two out of five. It's downgraded. 
downgraded. You gave it a three before. Yeah, I've had more Taco Bell since then, and I've had zero desire to have it again. Well, they don't even have you round it up, it's still three. (laughs) Okay, wait, wait. (laughs) On track, on track. I'm laying it slide for this week. Coherence. Coherence. Go. Coherence. 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 So, Ben, okay, so this is a movie I found. Um, I've been trying to trust more and more sources from the internet for movie reviews and just, like, lost forgotten film, like clickbaity articles that I see on Google. And this was a, a movie that I came across it. But the article, which I believe was in Bloody Disgusting, was not very loving of the movie the the author of the article just seemed really confused uh, which really really intrigued me uh, this is a movie that i had intentionally planned to like half watch and then if it was good enough like give it like my full attention another time um and i watched i was like giving it my full attention for the first five minutes and it never let me go um i was really gripped by this spacey strange sci-fi story um, so coherence, um, is a film, um, is a, is an American science fiction film that, uh, was released in September 19th of 2013 at Fantastic Fest. Um, it was directed and partially written by James Ward Brykett. Um, this was his directorial debut. Um, and it was written by, uh, him and another gentleman whose name is removed from the Wikipedia page, but is Alex, uh, Mugat. Manugian Mugawin. Um, interestingly enough, this is really the only thing either one of them have done in like a major leading role in regards to the production of a film. Um, Alex also wrote 14 episodes of Grey's Anatomy. Um, and this movie. Now, this movie is about a group of friends who go to have a dinner party on the night that a comet is going to be passing overhead and someone's been watching maximum overdrive am i right boys (laughs) wow yes um uh things begin to become very very strange as reality begins to warp around the guests at the at the dinner and i do not want to give away the whole plot of this movie because I think one, it would be very difficult to actually discuss the plot of this movie in its entirety. And two, I really think it's worth your time to go and watch this film. Yeah. Now, it's... before I talk about what the movie's about, or like how, before I talk about how the movie was made, I'm very curious to hear uh, Ben and Monty talk about this film. You know what movie this reminded me of? Oh, come on. I really hope you say the movie I'm thinking of. I'm sending it's, you my psychic signals. I, I, I forget the name of it, but Ooh. it's it's the movie. It's like uh. the shot on Shidio time machine movie. Yeah, Primer. Yes. Primer. Yes, this is this Primer is meets like, Lovecraft. This is yeah, Primer this meets is Lovecraft. Love, it's Lovecraftian Primer. Oh, and, it's so good. And honestly, this might be sacrilegious because I know you like Primer. I actually like this more. I agree with you. Uh, I, I, I think that this is like, primer if you streamlined it like if you had primer done by like a horror director and the science is still as accurate as it is in primer yeah but like it doesn't like but basically this movie is like you don't need all the other shit from primer like it's still just as open-ended and you're still like what the fuck it's Uh, a movie it's a movie you could you could watch coherence like 15 times just yeah. like primer like and still get more and more out of it every single time 
it's it's a great movie in that you think you have everything solved Mm -hmm. and you can even like catch things before they're revealed in the movie definitely yep and then all of a sudden it's Oh wait a minute! There's a whole another layer to this. Yeah. So the yeah, the entire movie has to deal with the concept of quantum decoherence, um, which basically allows individual. If you know Schrodinger's cat, where like you don't know the superposition of the cat until you record it. So if the cat, if the superposition of an atom shifts from one position to another, it either kills the cat or leaves the cat alive. But the cat is both alive and dead once it's in the box because you can't know until you measure it. So it's both. It's that, but if that reality was layered into each other and you have a decoherent moment where you can transition between realities. is like the fucking like shortest version of explaining what's happening in this yeah, movie. Yeah, it, it reminded me a lot of the Zero Escape game franchise, mm. which are a series of... Uh, of like interactive puzzle adventure mm-hmm. novels. So like it alternates between like visual novel, making choices and doing intricate puzzle work. Uh, and the overall story arc is not that different from, from this movie. No, uh, this I mean, movie's it's, also, I mean, this movie's I mean, also this... pretty similar to 2017's the endless. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, and it's in its use of time and kind of repetition. Uh, but I now, mean, dude, talk about making a movie on a budget. Uh, I mean, like, so it's, at, the, the, there are, it's the budget was uh, only $50,000. Like, yeah, if that. I, I, I love movies like this because it just hits all of the marks. So, Lighting is good. Writing is, is good. It's they work within the, this is working within the limitations of the script of the actors, which all very good acting, uh, good directing. <laughs> Wait until you hear how this movie was filmed. Uh, um, but like, but I, I mean, it all comes together and like, there's nothing I can fault. Cause it, no, it yeah, feels real. And it, that's one of like the biggest compliments you can pay this yeah, movie. Yeah. It's is an that, incredibly genuine movie. Yeah. All of the people feel like real legit characters. They ask the questions that you are asking. Right. <laughs> so uh, okay. I mean like so Ben, let me blow your mind. Okay. Let me blow your mind. So uh Bry Kent had worked in Hollywood for years and he did like consultancy and art directing and work on all of the um, Pirates of the Caribbean movies on these big, big movies. And he wanted to test the idea of shooting a film without a crew, without a crew and without a script. So what he did okay. was, is he got eight of his actor friends that did not know each other and decided to That's have hard. Them come to his house and perform the movie without a script. So, you know, he's quoted as saying, instead of having a script, each actor was given a page of notes each day with their backstory or sort of motivation for the night, but they wouldn't know what the other actors had received. So it had to be very natural, very spontaneous collisions of motivation that ended up being what you see on film. 
obviously guided wow. by a very strict outline that we have been working on for about a year prior to the creation of the film that tracks all the clues and puzzles and all the rehearsals and things like that. But the actors weren't aware of any of that. Those things happened because we were guiding them to it through their improvisation. All of the actors were described by Brycamp as they were just friends that I knew I could call and say, show up at my house in a couple days. I can't tell you what we're going to be doing. Trust me, I'm not going to kill you. It should be fun. <laughs> and he, he toiled over it because none of them knew each other. Um, so he had to pick very specific people that would also fill the roles for the characters that he had picked out. Um, and like uh, Neil Minow uh, was talking about her experience on the film. And she said, I just assumed that, that we all had known each other for a very long time. And we all kind of fell into a rhythm. It just came down to casting great people that could pull that off. And the funny thing is, is that he just casted random people. Um, and he intentionally chose people that weren't brainiacs like in Primer. Um, he wanted smart but underinformed NPR types um, who knew enough to kind of piece what was happening in the movie, but not enough to take it seriously enough to stop having a good time. Um, it, it was it was Ryan uh, Lozo who's a great um, who's a great like reviewer and writer. Um, he he put uh, he says that Brycken brought eight unwitting actors to his Santa Monica home, which was his house by the way. Uh, threw them a few red herrings and set them loose for five days, uh, knowing that a film could evolve organically. Um, much, much so like Ben was saying, this isn't from him. This is from me. Much like how Ben was saying in the, in the sections where, uh, I just riffed compared to when I was overly scripted or when Ben and I and Monty and all of us kind of just talk and allow our ideas to kind of guide the story of what we're trying to say. This movie is, is a prime example of that ha happening they stripped wow. everything down to the bare minimum they got rid of the script they had no crew they had just the actors and the filmmaking so then does so then was james uh burkett was he actively directing while they were doing it or was he just filming and saying okay go and he just throw things in as they're going from what i can tell he was kind of just there like encouraging them so here's what here's what he said about it. This is the only quote we have about his experience filming the movie. He says, someone asked him, uh, did you run into any unexpected problems while filming? And he says, he said, you're constantly dealing with unexpected things. One night we tried to shoot outside and we had to make the whole thing look completely desolate and the power being off. That was the one night that we had another movie shooting on the same street. So <laughs> the whole street is completely ablaze with light and hundreds of extras. Um, we just, uh, we were just in the, uh, right in the middle of a dramatic scene and there was another knock on the door and it would scare the shit out of everybody, but it was a Snickers commercial being filmed on the same street. Um, <laughs> so I, from what I can take from it, um, he was just kind of there kind of telling them what to do. He said, we came up with the premise in my living room where the movie is shot and then they just kind of went with it. Uh, we had, we had, uh, we didn't have any resources. I had to think that we, uh, think of what we actually had. We had a camera, we had some actors who were pretty good and we had a living room. Uh, so we had to find out how to make a living room feel like it was more than just a living room. Um, and I think they truly, truly captivated that with 
the naturalistic performances. I think this movie is truly unique because of the way it is. Um, it's Twilight Zone meets Primer. It's Lovecraft meets Primer. Um, he also said that uh, Carnage by Roman Polanski was a big influence on him. Uh, this truly was just like a off the cuff, pure distillation of character and acting. I, for those who watch a lot of uh, YouTube content that's like uh, role playing game horror, it felt like those where the actors' reactions and engagement with the material is completely off the cuff and completely natural. Um, and the relationships that exist are maybe a little bit planned out, but nothing really. Um, and you get this incredible content. This was like that, but realized perfectly as a film. Um, and like, I think everyone watching it didn't know exactly what it was going to be. Um, it was, it, they didn't have a script. They had a 12 page treatment that they had worked on for a year that outlined everything, every puzzle, um, every need to happen scene. Um, but yeah, each day, instead of beginning a script, they just got notes. What, just, what I think that's like very risky to film. Like for, yeah. for real. Well, it had, they didn't, they all, they literally, it's just like, it's like a student film made by professionals that just worked out perfectly. Yeah. It's, it's almost like they filmed it like a documentary in a way and yeah. pieced together the story that way. What, what, one of the thing, one of the things that I think really makes, the story work and i think it's from the same interview you're looking at is burkett says we figured if we're going to tell a story that's so convoluted and lose the audience in the fun house we have to have a way out of it yep. we have to have a simple through line that you can grasp onto because otherwise you'll disconnect uh yep. and they do that in this movie and i think that that's a way that a lot of these movies you get lost in mm-hmm. like we were talking about um uh about that abomination last week uh the necronomicon movie <laughs> yeah, it's like so there's sorry. no like there's there's no like way out of it you know it just kind of well that's and that's uh, and, and that's the about that's the issue Lovecraft versus bad lovecraft yeah and that's the issue with uh with the released version of the plague mm-hmm. you know not the writer director's cut but the not the, how masonberg's the plague yeah Clive not how masonberg it's it's clive barker's the plague the the biggest issue with it is that like there really doesn't seem like any way to get out because you know that there's not going to be anyone at the at at the base and even that's just thrown out midway and this and this movie gives you a a timeline it says like the meteors here while it's passing over this is happening and that's it and I loved in this movie how when the characters realize that something crazy might be happening, it just kind of happens. And, like, everyone's kind of like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, and then they no. slowly become obsessed with the idea. Yeah. No slowly walking through hallways in this one. No, no. tunnels. <laughs> yeah. So that that is 2013's Coherence. Probably my biggest surprise of the year amongst all of the movies that we watched as a collective, um, a movie I'm going to need to rewatch like 15 times. Uh, yeah, this is like a new one in the rotation. I feel this, like I'm, I might. So, so my birthday's coming up to all the charmers out there. If you want to wish me a happy birthday, but on my birthday, I'm going to make a bunch of people watch uh, a bunch of movies. And I think I'm going to double feature this and in the mouth of madness back to back, man, don't, 
Don't get me too excited now. <laughs> I think I think we're going to start with In the Mouth of Madness. Then once everyone's like chilled out, I'm going to throw coherence on and really take everyone for a ride. It's like, it's like, I can't, I can't do like 2018 Suspiria and In the Mouth of Madness because no one will make it. Um, but I can go with this one. And actually I want to, I want to quickly point out the production company that put out this movie, a production company that has released some of my favorite, really strange fucking movies over time. And a movie that we might talk about in the future. Um, a, a studio called oscilloscope films. We have talked about oscilloscope more. It than was distributed. It was distributed by them. This yes, is not the production company oh. to be fair. There's a big, it's a big difference, Matt. I, most of the time I'm like, yeah, but this is the one time it's actually. Yes. Okay. Well, this was distributed by, by them, uh, by Oscilloscope who also distributed rare exports. Shout out to Monty. Mm -hmm. Um, they also distributed, um, uh, we need to talk about Kevin, uh, about Sonny, um, uh, white wish, uh, the anarchist cookbook, which if you want another, strange deep dive into like insanity watch that um they also released one of my favorite weird 80s callback movies called buzzard what about um, the brooklyn brothers beat the best i haven't seen it but it sounds awesome and i'd trust that they would release something good um the infiltrators is really good i really recommend they're kind of like the pre a24 a24 uh, where instead of instead of getting these like bigger, crazier budget presentations of films, they got some truly true gems of indie art house filmmaking um, long before A24 hit the scene and started scooping up a lot of the same uh, movies. I think going all the way back to 2010. Uh, I hope you check them out. I hope you check out Coherence. Uh, 2008 actually is when they started distributing. A24 started distributing in 2012. Yeah, yeah, okay, good. Phew, got that right. Um, I was like, I was, I was ready for you, like, yeah, A24 existed in 2006. Sounds like a yeah, no that's why I looked were. it up, is because I wanted to dunk on you, but no, you're yeah, right. Eat my ass. They are, these are the pre A24. <laughs> um, but check out, check out Oscilloscope, check out this movie. It's free on Amazon Prime. So you have almost no excuse not to watch it unless you don't have Amazon Prime. Then if you don't, I'm sad. If you want to be a bro and get me a gift, you can get me this on Blu-ray. It's 40 bucks on Amazon Prime, so I'm not buying it. Um, but okay. if you want if you want a gift, uh, just like our biggest fan of all time, Brennan, who got who still I get monthly editions of Food and Wine magazine, which are greatly Dude, in love. Don't like don't like keep him paying for those magazines i didn't Message ask him he just does it and i love message him, him. he can listen to the fucking podcast oh my um if he doesn't listen heck? he won't know i still get food and wine magazine he probably paid for a year-long subscription let's be real um <laughs> what a freeloader <laughs> what a bro he got me a magazine and i love it uh if you also want to prove that you love our podcast buy me a blu-ray or most importantly give us some reviews yeah, no, no, fuck that. <laughs> tell me that you want more wrestling. Yeah. I want wrestling. Tell us that's what tell, you want. You know what you know what you should do? You should tell us what you want. If you're out there and you've listened to our last couple of weeks where we've dived no, into the No, tell me what I want. Tell no, me what I want. Ben doesn't no, deserve it. No. <laughs> but before we end on that note, I did find that movie I was telling you guys. So it's called Last Night. And okay. it's last a night? Canadian production. Um, I watched it when I was like um, 
in in the high school and it's really interesting at how it's filmed like uh at, at the time uh, it's is about, this the is this the 2011 one the 2000 no, this is the 1998 two- film last night okay. canadian production um sandra O, oh, awesome in it and it's it's it takes place where um there's a family that wants to get together um and how the storytelling of it is it's they don't tell you what's happening but the earth is ending um there's no longer um Mm -hmm. i i have a feeling i get the sense that it's the sun exploding um because all through it they're all wanting to meet up for dinner and i was just like trying to figure out why hasn't the the set of the film changed like tonight and it's constantly Mm. light out and people are going chaotic but it's not like people are going mad killing people or anything like there are people looting and 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 stuff but it's at the end of the day it's all about um you know family um second chances even though there will not be another a second chance coming but you take advantage of that moment you find love you spend time with family it's it's that type of movie and this this film coherence it, it gives me that vibe just watching a trailer mm-hmm. um so it it reminded me of that film but if you guys out there are interested in in something that's uh apocalyptic but not uh violent or or like a crazy horror film i highly recommend checking it out um my english media teacher recommended it so i definitely uh advise that for everyone like sharing that out we salute english media teachers on fourth times the charm yeah right and we we salute you not just once not just twice not even thrice we salute you when the fourth times the charm good night and good